It is Thursday, September the 19th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, I'm glad you're here. There's been allegations of serious misconduct in your podcasting in the past, taking drinks just before we started, getting the date wrong, but you've you've learnt your lesson, unlike some people in the AFL. I've learnt no lessons. I refuse to learn lessons, Charlie. Uh, I mean, I think the the thing that we firstly should say is thank God a Saturday drug test po- po- uh, podcast that are about <laughs> football. Yeah, I think that's a, a that would be a horrible brave new world if they were did a you know occasionally there they go we're going to have a top to bottom AFL testing drug testing campaign say so we're going to test Gil we're going to test everybody in like mm. AFL house all the presidents will have to get drug tested like if you work in the AFL industry you'll have to get drug tested wouldn't it just be great if mid podcast we had to stop because a starter have popped around and I have to roll up my t-shirt to my nipples and I have to put my pants down to my ankles Lee Matthews having a piss style yeah. and then I have to wee into a bottle and we can't do that we can't resume the podcast until I've done that you've got a fridge full of Gatorade yellow Gatorade for some reason <laughs> yeah they take my urine sample they go you've, you've been having a lot of armor force I was like yeah I'm fighting off a cold now explain to me because uh, you know I'm in Sydney so we don't get the in-depth analysis that you get down in Melbourne about this Willie Rioli thing but I'm a bit confused so have they released exactly what has what he's been charged with is it the sample has come back positive or is it more the fact that he tried to trick the testers that he's been penalized for okay so there's there's no clarity around that at the moment okay. what i i mean we recorded on a wednesday last week and and normally the two guys one cup effect is that you know we'll, we'll start recording and the coach will get sacked um it was a full day later yeah we, we, our efficiency of getting this podcast out a little earlier than <laughs> usual this year charlie has really killed Backfired. us on there it was, if we'd done that uh, podcast in the morning, we would have been like, gee, this is a big day in football. Todd Goldstein's decided to stay at North Melbourne. Their chairman's decided to leave. A lot of big footy stories today. And then like an hour later, Don Pike uh, decides with two years left on his contract that he's leaving Adelaide. And we're like, gee, a lot of big stories going around today. And then Willie Rioli is like, uh, guys, uh, none of that's going to make the papers tomorrow because I have tried. It's one of the... I mean, I hate this story for a start because I love Willie Rioli. Mm. Like, he is one of my favorite players in the AFL. It's so a catchphrase of this I, show. Everyone gets a Rioli. Yeah. And and I think this is just a... It's a disastrous sign for the AFL if we can be one Rioli down. Yeah. I say more Riolis, not yes. less Riolis. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only thing I would say is maybe, like, as punishment, instead of suspending him for four years, they should make him play for Gold Coast for four years. Because <laughs> <laughs> that way, it's like a win-win. Yeah. right he gets punished like he feels the severity of the punishment having to live and play on the gold coast but we as an afl community are not deprived of seeing willie rioli plus you know sometimes people don't want to keep people around with that sort of cultural leadership but that's perfect for the gold coast yeah that's right up their alley they've yeah. had a, a hole in their that leadership in that area since you know carmichael hunt left the club i mean if they if that was if they offered it if it was like a game show where they Asada offered him the choice of you can sit out for four years or you go to the Gold Coast. <laughs> what do you reckon he'd pick? Well, what I th- think he would pick is he'd go to the Gold Coast, but if he could be completely honest, he'd say, no, I'll sit out of footy for four years. <laughs> I mean, there is that go home factor that Western Australians seem to be like afflicted with more than any other state in Australia. Um, here's what I will say about Willie Rialo. So we don't know what happened, but what we do know is that while he was giving his sample, at some stage he has... So the way that the sample... This is what we do know. This is the way they take the sample. They go in from the minute you get tapped on the shoulder. So they go into training. um, They pull out a bunch of numbers. So it's at training, after Mm. training. And then from that moment, the Asada supervisor like puts a, you know, Matt DeBoer-style tag on the player. You You are not allowed out of the site of the um 
of the assessor in that situation. So it doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah. That person is going to be by your side. Jonathan Brown told a story during the week about the fact that he couldn't go for like four hours and they ended up going getting beers together. And as long as the tester was just by his side, that that was absolutely fine. They'll just watch you until you can work, basically. That's their job. Their job is to essentially go around the country and hang out with people until they can have a week. Mate, I can't, like, can, I can't. Can I watch? I, Put I, it in this. Yeah. If you give me four hours at the pub... I will start pissing and never stop pissing. You'll get all the samples you want. Yeah, I'm going to give you a year's worth, mate. <laughs> While you're here, <laughs> stock up for next year. Grab a crate. Hey, you know what? Get that giant water jug over there. Get that Brita. Pull everything out of the Brita, and I'm just going to fill that up for you, and that can do for the rest of the season. You just dole that out as needed. I mean, what happened at West Coast? Like, there was that urban legend from the 90s, and I don't know if there was any validity to it or not, but remember that urban legend that apparently testers turned up to uh, the West Coast Eagles in the early to mid-90s, and a bunch of players, like, jumped the fence at training and ran home or something like that. And then there's obviously the Ben Cousins running from the police on the on the highway, all that kind of stuff. Things have changed, well, obviously. Well, the Ben Cousins thing isn't an urban legend, though. The no. Ben Cousins thing is a verifiable fact. Yeah, that's right. He got out of his car, he ran away and he swam across a river. Like that happened. Yeah. So it makes the idea that um, some testers stand up to training and a few players jumped over the fence and ran away. It makes it believable. Even if it's not true, the Ben Cousins thing sells the other story to me. I mean, I think the thing that sells it is they didn't jump a fence. They ran through a grandstand. So when people were wondering, are these guys taking performance enhancing drugs? Well, there's a Glenn Jakovic shaped hole in the grandstand, allegedly. Yeah, they, they didn't jump the fence. Glenn Jakovic actually just leaned down, used one hand, picked up the fence. They all went <laughs> under the fence and then he put the fence back down. But we're pretty sure they were clean. By the way, Glenn Jakovic, just the name we popped out of the air, not actually somebody who... 100%. Anyway, please don't sue us. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Jakovic. It's the only West Coast player I could think of from the early to mid-90s. Um, so, so Willie gets tested. Yep. Now, this is where it gets murky. So... At some stage, the Asada rep has seen him uh, put Gatorade into the sample thing. Now, it seems to be that he's maybe given a sample or not been able to give much of a sample and he's either topped it up with Gatorade or he thinks that he's got something in his system that he wants to avoid and he, you know, he, he, he puts some Gatorade in there. It's not a great plan. No. You'd reckon at some stage they're probably going to find out that it's not we and it's Gatorade. Like, I mean, they're probably not going to be back at Asada going, boy, he must have drunk a lot of Gatorade. Maybe it was his first game and he was in the middle of the Gatorade shower because <laughs> this is 95% Gatorade. So they they didn't specifically name Gatorade, did they? It was just a, an energy drink or like a, a sports drink because I'm thinking there could be a very, very interesting like sponsorship opportunity in that with Gatorade, right? Like we all know about the Gatorade shower and they had that ad campaign in the like, like mid-90s. Imagine if that is their new angle. It's like Gatorade, cheat the testers. Yeah, it's just a guy in the middle of a circle and everybody around has like their um, pants around their ankles and their T-shirts up to their nipples <laughs> and they all have a sample in their hand and at the end he just goes, I got my results back, I'm clear. And they all celebrate by opening the vials and just shaking them on him. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, look, Gatorade. <laughs> you're right though, It is. it is... I felt like watching that game on Friday night that West Coast seemed like it had... It had affected the way they played. Like, how could it not? I mean, he's an incredibly popular player. He's an incredibly skillful player. I mean, leading into that game, you know, Willie Rioli, Lewis Jetta, and Liam Ryan were the three guys who are like, they're so precise by foot. They're so hard to match up. They're so quick. They move the ball so well. And then you take not only uh, that skill level out, but that popular personality out of the team. And coming to Melbourne too, where there's going to be extra scrutiny on that team, you just always felt like they were going to be under the pump. Well, the other thing is that in the final quarter, they got quite dehydrated because they ran out of Gatorade. <laughs> Where's that other but? Oh, oh, shit. Damn it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it might. there's two kind of main theories. One is that he might have had like some sort of recreational drug and he, he thought it was the other test. He thought it was the AFL test because Asada don't test for recreational drugs out of competition. So if he had had traces of weed or if he had traces of cocaine or any of those sort of drugs in his system, they wouldn't have actually picked that up. 
because they don't test for it midweek. So if it's that, he's made, and, and he was trying to cover up for that, he's made a pretty serious mistake that'll cost him. Yeah. Then then there's the other theory that I guess you, that you're covering up for something more serious, you know, that you yeah. are covering up for a performance and housing drug. Or the third one that's been floated, which is that like it was some sort of prank or oh. that like he's... <laughs> was that floated by Willy Rioli? <laughs> <laughs> he just called up a talkback radio station in Perth and said, yeah, it's Billy, Billy Gioli. Uh, <laughs> Billy Joel? No, no. Uh, <laughs> that one seems the least credible, that it was a prank. Like, in those conditions, who in their right mind is... That's like getting pulled over by the cops and going, you know, it would be hilarious, Frank. They've asked my license. I'm going to ask them to pull my finger. <laughs> Like, unless you have got no ability to read the room, why would you attempt a prank in that particular situation? Pants around your ankles, T-shirt tucked under your chin. That's when you decide to go for your big gag. No, I agree. It's terrible timing. (laughs) I mean, as a professional comedian, I can't applaud the timing. It's edgy, I guess. Like, it's it's provocative. It's a jackass-style prank if it... um, And, you know, look, it's, it's, you know, it's self-destructive comedy, which is you know, a lucrative genre within my industry. But yeah, no, I think that that's the, the least likely. But there is, you know, there's, there's stories around whether this might have been a naive act rather than a malicious act. But I guess they're the sort of stories that you you do leak out when you're trying to... So but the big mystery now is whether the B sample has urine in it. Mm. Like, did they get him to do a sample that isn't Gatorade? Or is there enough urine in the original sample with the Gatorade that they can test it regardless? Because if he hasn't, like, if he isn't covering up for something, the best thing that could happen to him is there's enough urine to be tested that they go, oh, we actually ran the test and he didn't have anything or he had weed in his system or whatever it was that he did have. That's actually the best scenario now because that would then give him more... what Because the original charge... Like faking the test, yeah. that's a four-year ban. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's full on. But isn't does won't that stick no matter what? Like regardless of whether or not you know he just got spooked or he's naive or whatever. The fact is that they're given education and training around this thing, and like he should know better. I mean, I'm not one of these uh, like disciplinary. I think it's incredibly harsh, especially for a young man who's right in the prime of his career to lose four years. What is he? Twenty four now, so he'll be twenty eight yeah. by the time he comes back. I mean, I think if he they, I've heard people talking about floating like a two-year... Because two years is what you get for illicit substance, right? Or even like performance enhancing. I think Ahmed Saad at St Kilda, he inadvertently had some kind of uh, performance enhancing uh, a s- stimulant caffeine from a, an energy drink. He had no idea he'd taken it. And he got two years, which I think two years you can live with. I mean, the, you know, uh, uh, Jamie Elliott's had two years out with injury. You can still maintain a career, but four years... And you can't play at any level, right? And the other thing about him is, like, Willie Rioli used to be big. Like, he lost 15 kilos, quite famously, you know, to play in the AFL. I just feel like he's the sort of guy who'll put it back on as easily as he takes it off. Mm. Like, I think four years, if he can't play football at any decent level, the, the Willie Rioli we now know and love may not be available at age 28, I think. Yeah. He might be wrapped in a larger, more cuddly Willie Rioli. Well, do you, I mean, because I know you were quite harsh on the Essendon players, the idea that, you know, because there was people saying, well, they're young men, they're just doing what they're told, they didn't know, and you felt there was a fair amount of accountability and personal responsibility. Does that apply to Willie? Well, I think because that was an organized thing that you had, like, this is a one-off. Like, it could, could be a spur of the responsibility. moment. Yeah, one-off panic, spur of the moment. You know, you fucked up as opposed to a, here's a plan. We're all signing off on the plan. And whenever anybody asks us about the plan, let's pretend there is no plan. That to me just feels a little bit more like a conspiracy to me. This this does not reek of conspiracy, Charlie. <laughs> if this is a conspiracy, it is a terribly, terribly run conspiracy. Um, I mean, he must have known I think known, his best though. possible scenario is there's a second sample that shows that it's either a very minor drug or nothing at all. Yeah. And then they can negotiate an outcome back from the four years that he would have got, but with the evidence of going, this is just a young kid who's panicked. He didn't have anything in his system or he had this minor thing in his system. He's fucked up, but let's not ruin his life for four years. Let's make it two years. I think that's probably, if that if the second sample isn't damaging, 
then I reckon that's where it lands. Yeah, and I think the AFL has been quite good, especially in the recent years of protecting like the mental well-being of players, especially you know with the three strikes policy. I think that is so much smarter than ruining someone's life or humiliating someone publicly because of a mistake that, let's be honest, like a large portion of young men in Australia do most weekends. But it would be... What they're going to have to deal with is the attempt to deceive and like what's an appropriate yep. fine. So if it's a if it's a two year ban because it was say weed or you know some kind of party drug, what is the penalty on top of that that sanctions him for the attempt to deceive? And I don't know. I mean, what do you say? Six months? A year? So three years is still a long time. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be lucky if he gets two years, probably. Mm. But I hope that that's the case. I know nothing about, I mean, who knows? It's a fascinating story. Like, I mean, just, it's just one of those things where in retrospect, there's just no good case for trying it. Mm. Like the hope that, the hope that the best possible outcome was you substituting your urine with Gatorade. It's just hard to run. You know how in Avengers Endgame, you know, so (laughs) in the first half, there's that bit where Dr. Strange, (laughs) you know, when Dr. Strange you know, that sound the start, is that he's calculated. Eight thousand <laughs> AFL fans are switching off this podcast. They're like, "We'll give it one more shot." These guys have been bullshit and rambling all year with their fucking Avengers comparisons. They seem to have quietened down the last year. It's not like that episode <laughs> six weeks ago where Will compared each team to an Avengers character, <laughs> but it's back. So. Here we go. Doctor Strange and Tony Stark are having a conversation, and Doctor Strange talks about the fact that he's run, you know, millions of different scenarios, and there's only one of them in which they win. Um, to me, that's the same odds for the Willy Rioli thing. Yeah, the odds of the plan of substituting a urine with Gatorade, I just it does not seem like a plausible plan in any situation. But imagine if he'd pulled it off. Imagine when you're writing your sport, your ghost written sports biography in like 15 years' time, what a story to tell. <laughs> I was off my head every week. Thanks, Gatorade. That's your, that's your ad campaign. <laughs> I'm Willie Rioli, three time premiership player and four time Norm Smith medalist. And I'd like to say the reason I was so good was I cheated all the time. I took every drug that was available to me. And every time a tester came, I fooled them with Gatorade, the best drink on the market. Thanks, Gatorade. And then he just pours it over his head. Yeah, well, that's, uh, it's got. Uh, the ramifications of this are interesting as well in terms of the Tim Kelly trade because you've heard now that mm. uh, West Coast, who were thinking, well, maybe Jack Petricelli, who's a Victorian, can be part yeah. of that trade to Geelong to get Tim Kelly. But now that they've won small forward down and potentially for four years, like, well, we hang on to Petricelli. Now suddenly they don't have as many bargaining chips to get Tim Kelly to West Coast. Um, but would you still take Kelly over Petricelli? Uh, yes, but I mean, it's, it's going to be what Geelong want, right? Like Geelong are going to demand a, like draft picks and a Petrocelli type, right? You think? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We want Petrocelli, for Kelly, we want Petrocelli, <laughs> I knew I was, it was going to get me. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Petrocelli. Kelly Petricelli. Kelly Petricelli. What is the Kelly Petricelli telly, they would ask? <laughs> uh, I mean, sure. Like, yes, you would swap Petricelli for Tim Kelly <laughs> any day of the week. <laughs> but I guess it's what uh, what they get around that. I mean, it's it seems yeah. more... See, if, if Tim Kelly's prime motivation is just to get back home to family, and of course you want to go to the best team possible... But that's when Frio come dancing into the equation and say to Geelong, hey, well, we've got like three, because they could have like three first round draft picks at, the, at this point. I would, I mean, he could play at Frio. I mean, Ross is gone now. It's a brand new age at Frio. Mm. Like Frio probably have the money and the, I, I think that, I don't think that he he seemed particularly fond of going to play for Ross at Frio. But the idea that really? it's now, well, he just didn't see, like, what is your other reason? Tell me what your other reason is that you're definitely up for going to the West Coast, but you weren't up for going to Freo. Uh, well, they're just not that good. You can only name three of their players. <laughs> you're like Nat Five. I know, but you could be the fourth one. Like, yeah. I mean, if they were going to offer you a better deal, for example. Yeah, of course you... He, he, but his position seemed to be 100% West Coast, 
no other options, even yeah. though I want to move home to family. Like you said, if the main motivation is being close to family, yeah. those two clubs should have in some ways a 50-50 kind of opportunity. And it hasn't been that. But I think Ross not being there opens that up again. Does he have, um, I mean, I guess it would depend. If he, have, if he had, if I've, if you told me that he had mates at Frio, and so he was getting word back about Ross Lyon, you know, just say he was friends with Lockie Neal, for instance, or something like that, yeah. and Lockie Neal bailed because he couldn't stand Ross, then that would make sense to me. But I also think that, I think if you're a team, even if you're a mid-table team like Frio, who has a player like Nat Fife, if you've got a guy that good, it only takes a couple more A-graders, and you can start building around that. I mean, that's a thing that... Frio in a really interesting position at the moment because they have this like undoubted superstar of the game and then a massive drop off and they have to make the most of of Fife in his prime. So if they start going to the draft now, they're going to waste Fife. So they kind of almost need to start like Tim Kelly would almost be perfect for Frio because he's ready to go. He's a friggin' top line A grader. If you can get him in and get another, say, B plus player in, plus like a first round draft pick, then I don't know. Frio don't look that bad after a while. No, I agree with that. So here's what I'm going to suggest. Okay. Nat five, captain coach. You know I've you know I've wanted <laughs> a, captain a captain coach, coach. a playing captain coach for a, for a long time, Charlie. And I feel like we have the perfect opportunity with the Fremantle franchise. I mean, everyone talks about the fact that it's Nat Fife's team anyway. And, you know, like, let him captain coach the team. Yeah. That's what I want to say. This is the next step in the evolution of Fremantle. How is he going to coach when he doesn't know any of the other players' names? Like, how's he going to move? I mean, you'll need a team. The magnet, you'll need a team. Like, when he's moving the magnets around, it's going to have to be, like, photos of the players because he won't know what the name is. <laughs> who who, who, who's this guy? Walters? Oh, yeah, tattoo guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tattoo guy. Yeah. He starts tattoo on the Tattoo guy, lumpy head. <laughs> uh, uh, dude who's been here forever, surfy looking guy. Yeah. Two guys with the same haircut. You guys, one of you guys is going to have to change haircuts because this is confusing that. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I could see Nat 5 captain coaching. I think he might actually, it would be interesting to see if you could mold an entire team after Nat Five, but not with the ability or the kind of very distinctive personality traits of Nat Five. What that what that would look like? Like if you've got some real bogan country footballers coming to play under Nat Five and adopt his philosophies, where all of a sudden they have to get an investment portfolio and a pilot's license, and you know go to Perth Fashion Week and all that kind of stuff. I'd be interested to see what that looks like. Yeah, like putting his stamp on the club, giving them a separate identity to West Coast. You know, free Fremantle can be that sort of, you know, hip new modern man club. You know, well they talked about and, and Nat Five can lead them. Didn't they say that's what Chris Judd brought to Carlton? Like when he arrived at Carlton mm. and they were a real basket case, and he just was like, "Well, hang on, this is how I prepare. This is how I train. This is how I conduct myself in public." And apparently, like there was a huge buy-in from the players, so it's not a huge mm. leap to say. Imagine no. if so. Nat comes in and goes, "This is how I fly a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> this is how you sit in the front row at Fashion Week. Yeah. This is how you wear glasses, even if you don't need glasses." And he just runs them through that stuff. Yeah. Okay. This is how you arrive at training: no shirt, tracksuit, pants, beanie, brown low. Uh, Nat. Yeah. <laughs> most of us don't have a brown low. You don't. <laughs> oh, jeez. What? Well, Oh well, that's a that's a that's a that's a difficult one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, got me stumped. Don't know what to say. All right, uh, we'll just get you re- I, just I get you like... just get your MVP award. No, no, we don't have one of those either. Ah, oh, don't have an MVP uh, award. Jeez, really? Club a club MVP? Best and fairest well, club. I'll I'll settle for a best and fairest. The club M- No, no. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> All right. Uh, Norwich Gee, Rising uh, Star. <laughs> You know what? You're all Australian jacket. Just wear your all Australian jacket. That'll be... None? No? No? Oh, okay. God. Jeez, coaching's harder than I thought. Right. Hang on. I'm just going to go sit in my helicopter for a while. Think about this. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> thinking time. You know what, guys? Uh, I've got some tactics for us today. So, um, uh, so the ball goes into a contested uh, contest there. You've got two players going in. Now, what I like to do in this situation is just be better than the other person. <laughs> And so beat them. So if you guys could just be better than the other person and beat them, uh, that's my game plan. Be better than the people you're playing against. It's worked very well for me. You sure you don't have a brown low? Now, I was in uh, Adelaide all of last week 
What an eerie town to be in in September when there is no Adelaide team playing. Like, they don't know what to do with themselves over there. It was so quiet. It was almost like you when you read the advertiser, they were desperate. You know what was actually, there was about eight to nine pages of Sandful to read, but not much else. You wouldn't even know there was a final series being played. Well, they had Don Pike. Well, no, no, that's when they they've fired been, up. That's when the that's when the printing yeah. presses started running again. Yeah, I mean, they've had bloodletting. They've had Tech step down. They've had Don Pike step step down. So they've had a busy off season already, and they've they've got a review going on. Mm. Like they've got this external review going on, but people are stepping down willy nilly. Although, I mean, the fact that Don Pike has stepped down with two years left on his contract and a sixty percent, I mean, winning record is a it's a pretty big story. Massive. And he's, and he's a Western Australian, right? So he could go to Freo. Well, he could go to Freo. He says he wants to coach again. He's independently wealthy. That's the big story really? that comes out about Don Pike. Him and Nat Fife will get on so well. He should definitely go to Freo. The two of them can get together, compare investment portfolios, buy a racehorse together, do the things that independently wealthy well, you, people do. You know what? They actually might get along. You know, because that's the thing. Nat Fife needs a coach that understands him. Yeah. So Don Pike comes in all independently wealthy, you know, made a whole lot, a lot of money, you know, in the mining boom, investing wisely. And finally, Nat has someone that he can sort of talk, respect as an equal. There you go. Are you saying Don Pike should pull the boots back on? <laughs> like you talk about Nat Five should captain coach, maybe Don Pike should coach captain. Well, maybe it's a dual role. So they come in as sort of like on-field succession plan. Yeah. But it involves the idea that Nat's going to coach from on-field. Because, you know, we have this thing now where the coaches coach from the sidelines so they can talk to the players. Mm. You don't have the runners on the field. So you need an on-field coach. But literally, so Dom Pike and Nat Fife. So Nat Fife plays 90% game time and Dom Pike coaches from the bench. But he's in uniform. So for the 10% that Nat Fife isn't on, he sits on the bench and coaches in the succession plan, and Don Pike goes out and plays on field. I'd love the idea of Don Pike and Nat Fife becoming like the Koch brothers of the AFL. <laughs> Just two independently wealthy men working in the shadows, pulling the strings. Studying, like just a lot of their stuff is propaganda against climate change. Yeah. No, I think it should be like propaganda against certain rules. Like they can't, they secretly campaign to have like the score review system overturned or stuff that like favors Western Australian football. I don't know what that would be. Wider wings. <laughs> Grounds grand final, wings. grand yeah, compulsory wider wings at all the grounds. Uh, grand final at Optus Stadium in Perth. Uh, now let's get to Toby Green as a Bulldog supporter. I'm sure you have opinions on this. Uh, yeah. What? No, you don't. And not taking it personally, like most no. Bulldog supporters. Is that because of Libba? Most is it because you guys I, started this whole thing of eye gouging 20 years ago? I think that's partly it. Actually, oh, real guilt. I think it's it's partly hypocritical. For Bulldogs fans who loved Libba, like when Libba won a Brownlow playing like Toby Green. And I know there'll be Bulldogs fans who are pissed off about that, but we all know the truth. Like, I think it was, it was part of, he was a tiny little man and he did everything that he possibly could to, he was a junkyard dog. Yeah. You know, he made it happen. He was just one of those guys who could get it done. He made Matthew Knights cry tears of blood. (laughs) Like it was like a freaking horror film. Bulldog supporters got short memories. Him and Paul Kelly, both. So firstly that. Secondly, I think that the Bulldogs, because of the Bontempelli incident, the Nick Haynes thing where he like, you know, Mm. fractured his larynx or whatever it was that he did. I think it was an accident, but obviously he he was very lucky to not get off. And GWS were very fired up. They're obviously going after Bontempelli. I think that Bontempelli, you know, because Bontempelli said that he didn't see anything, you know, because his eyes were gouged. And <laughs> I can't see anything when someone's got their, their fingers all over your eyeballs. No, but I think that was a bit of a, a make piece. Yeah. That was a bit of a... Square. Yeah, I get it. I didn't, I didn't mean to, like, crush his larynx, but you gouged my eyes and I'm not going to... Yeah. I'm, you know? Players code. You know what? Yeah, players code. We lost. You're, you're playing. Um. The, the problem with Toby is that he just doesn't learn. Mm. The problem with Toby is that he gets off one week for doing that thing and with a bit of a never do that again. And then the minute, like he's basically like a dog digging a hole in the garden and you're like, don't stop digging that <laughs> hole. And the minute you turn your back, he's back digging that fucking hole. I mean, I'm not, 
I'm surprised the amount of people who are getting upset about this and like he's a dog and blah, blah, blah. I think AFL fans are upset about Toby Green need to watch a bit more wrestling because wrestling is infinitely better when you've got a really strong heel in the mix. When you've got a guy who comes out and offers to shake the hand of the baby face and then as soon as the baby face turns his back, he whacks him over the back of the head with a steel chair or the belt or whatever it is. Like it's more interesting and I don't... This also this kind of anti GWS expansion club, you know, non Victorian team. I don't want AFL to be like the NRL where they just can't stand, you know, the Melbourne Storm. Like I think we should be celebrating celebrate it. You don't have to like them, but celebrate the fact that we have a viable interstate team that are really good at playing the bad guys. It makes it so much more interesting. I'm like I hope he gets off. I would love to see him. Can you imagine Toby Green? Because he won't learn. If he gets to play against Collingwood would, in front of 70,000 rabid Collingwood supporters, just grabbing like Scott Pendlebury's head and rubbing it into the dirt or something, it'll be amazing. I, I mean, the thing, I absolutely could not, one, I could not agree with you more. Like, I think that we go, what's the identity of GWS? We don't want GWS to be a lovable Brisbane type team. We've already got that. Mm. That that sort of interstate team that we can all have as our second team and we can all enjoy and they're adorable. That's Brisbane. Mm. What we need is a proper interstate villain. Yeah. And if they're willing to play the role of villain and Toby Green, who plays his best football, because he was also best on ground on the weekend. Yeah. You know, and I love that Toby just seems to have this attitude of like, oh, so last year you told me I can't kick people in the face. <laughs> so I've stopped that. What? Oh, no, oh, now I can't even massage their eyes. <laughs> What, what can I do? Just tell me what I can do because I've got to hurt their face in some way. Well, I just love too that there is this kind of sense from like some in the AFL media who are like, well, you know, what was he even doing with his hands near his face? And, uh, you know, he apologizes, but he doesn't care. It's like, yeah, because that's what makes a good yeah. bad guy. The fact is he's unpredictable. He's, he's not unpredictable. But he is he does exactly what he shouldn't, and that's what makes it so exciting. And I just love the fact that, like, you know, the Bulldogs went into the the, the qualifying final, you know, with all the momentum, and then Toby Green bashes up Marcus Pontepelli, they smash them. Then they go up to Brisbane to play, like, everyone's second team, the Darlings, the AFL, the Brisbane Lions. Toby Green grabs Lockie, face, Lockie uh, Neal by the face, and, you know, they win the game by a kick. Like, this is all – it's it's – if it was wrestling, I keep coming back to wrestling because it's that's how they build a good storyline in the wrestling where the bad guy through underhand tactics and whatever just keeps advancing towards WrestleMania. But that just gives like your Hulk Hogan Richmond like a classic chance to sort of triumph on the big day. But let's not waste it now. Let's wait till we get to the grand final before Hulk Hogan comes in and rips his shirt off. <laughs> I mean, ma- you want Marvel play- analogies and wrestling analogies. <laughs> that's what you get on two guys, one cup. But also, they're playing Collingwood, yeah. right? And it's just, that's, yeah, Collingwood, the team that, you know, is normally anyone but Collingwood, actually have other Victorian teams behind them because people don't like GWS. It's great. It makes it exciting. Like, yeah. you know, I think that, and the idea that GW, I mean, the thing that's going to really hurt them is, I mean, Whitfield, yeah, having his appendix out and not playing is, I mean, he's, probably top five players in the AFL Whitfield and, mm. you know, Toby Green's top 20. And so they're missing them and Cornelio and, you know, Callum Ward from early in the season. Like there's a lot of, re- they're missing a lot of really good players. But this, but this doesn't help Collingwood, right? Because that installs Collingwood as the raging hot favorites. And we know oh, that that doesn't work yes. for Collingwood. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Leon Cameron, if I, Lockie Whitfield was actually fine to play and Leon Cameron ruled him out because he knew it would go against the backs against the wall. Guys, uh, we've done. Uh, we've had champion data in. We've done a lot of research, and uh, the truth is, uh, the one way to beat Collingwood is making sure their backs are not against the wall. They've had a few injuries to go out. Mm. Um, we've done some calculations. We've had a look at the list, and uh, we believe the thing that will move them furthest from the wall is if our best player has emergency surgery. <laughs> so, Lockie, uh, the, you've got to do the team thing team this first. week. We're going to take out your appendix. Oh no, there's nothing wrong with it. But you also don't need it to survive. You won't miss it. You're just going to miss the preliminary final. You'll be back on grand final day. No appendix. Norm Smith medal. So you saw that. Um, the Did you see that uh, the footage they showed behind the play of Lockie Whitfield when he got punched in the back and he dropped to the ground? Yeah. Is that related to the the appendix? 
Well, they say no, but okay. it's hard to believe that it wasn't. Well, no, because he, he got kneed in that exact spot about five minutes earlier and he was limping around holding his back. But it's, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I agree. But wouldn't you think... It, it, it seems like a coincidence that you would have trauma in the area of it and then like a couple of days later... They cut to, it who out. Who knows? I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I am not a doctor. <laughs> I do not know. They say it's unrelated, so I guess it's unrelated. It doesn't seem unrelated. I mean, I would love... I'm all for GWS. Like, I think, I think I, I, who do I want? Like, out of these, yeah, out of the four teams left, I think I'm more, I'm most interested in seeing GWS get there. Like, I don't care. I've got no dog in the fight. Richmond have won one. Geelong have won plenty. Collingwood have won a couple in my lifetime. I want to see GWS go all the way, especially knowing what they're facing, especially Toby Green out, Lucky Whitfield out. Wouldn't it be fucking amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing? What a story. And that is, I mean, I'm sure Leon Cameron is using this to inspire the team as well, because this is where you say, look, the odds are stacked against us. You know, we've got this, we're this tiny little club. Everyone fucking hates us. Why don't we just like imagine that feeling of walking off the MCG on Friday night or Saturday night, whenever it is, having beaten the biggest club in the country in front of the home fans. Like it will be, it'd be enormous. It'd be such a great feeling. And I feel like they're playing... Because we've got that, we've always talked about GWS having that kind of arrogant, kind of Cobra Kai sort of persona. Anyway, like I think that it's the it's it's a, a mindset that could work for them. What if they came out like, and instead of their sort of club dressing gowns and tracksuits, they came out in the Cobra Kai yeah uh, uniforms from the Karate Kid? It'd be awesome. Headbands and all. Yeah, <laughs> Toby Green in the red headband. <laughs> well, I just would love Leon Cameron. Like, let's say they make it to the grand final. To say they're playing Richmond or whatever, and you know uh, Dusty gets a corky in the first quarter and is limping around, and at halftime you just see Leon Cameron take Toby and say, "I want you to sweep the leg." <laughs> yeah, sweep the leg. Sweep the leg, and Toby's like, "Oh, sweep the nose, mate. Toby. <laughs> sweep the nose." <laughs> I was way in front of you. I'm about to sweep the leg, the head, everything, guts. <laughs> I'm gonna sweep it all. Yeah, I, I well look. I mean, obviously Collingwood Richmond would be a massive, traditional old two huge teams grand final. Mm. But yeah, I would have no problem with GWS making the grand final. I think it would be a great story. And then if Toby Green either plays this weekend or would then be back for a grand final, which you know makes it spicy anyway. Yeah. Um, well, even yeah, if, I, if, I, if they play Richmond and it's just say it's Richmond GWS, they're still going to get ninety thousand to that game regardless. I mean, it's going to be a big grand final. I think, I think maybe if it's Geelong GWS, it might be you know a, a little under max. But I think if it's Richmond, I mean, you know, they got ninety thousand members on their own. If it's Geelong GWS, they should play it at GMHBO. There <laughs> you go. You're getting your home final. What about the Tom Hawkins incident? Uh, he punched him in the face. He was probably lucky that he only got one week. So you'll still get to play in a grand final if they make it. But uh, that was stupid because he was playing. He played really well, but it was just a really stupid thing to do. Really stupid. I I looked at it because I like Tom Hawkins and I looked at it so many ways going, how can I justify in my mind that he should not get rubbed out for this? But he probably deserved two weeks. And because it's a final, they gave him one week. Well, if he'd broken his jaw, like Andrew Gaff style, he would have been out for like six weeks. (laughs) Yeah. He's just lucky that he, he he didn't connect. I mean, to me, it looked like... He was trying to do like just those one of those round, you know, round arm body strikes, and they just get clumsy and they're on the run, and you know, they just their aim's no good. But I mean, he went down hard. <laughs> like, there's no two ways about it. One week is quite soft. It's really interesting, though, isn't it? Like, there's there's Toby Green, who like the two guys who you know are up for you know suspension this week, both yeah, great players at their own clubs, but very different when it comes to the mm. tribunal. Like you look at Toby Green's record and there's like, you know, 16 appearances, but there's mostly just fines, you know, like a little bit of that sort of stuff. You feel like he's a player who intentionally plays on the edge and that this is just a part of the cost of doing business. Whereas Tom Hawkins feels like a big, lovely guy who's trapped in a big man's body and feels like he needs to occasionally show these signs of aggression, but it just doesn't come naturally to him. And so when he does it... He's Lenny from Of Mice and Men. (laughs) He's like, see yeah, something. I hit him. See something I pretty. Hit him. And... I hit him good, Gary. I hit him good. Just squeezes a bit too tight. Just a little too hard. Doesn't where have we, his own strength. Where are we going, Gary? Where are we going? <laughs> as strong as an ape. 
Yeah, I mean, but then you look at Tom Hawkins' record as well. And if you were to take their personalities and, you know, your your perception of their the validity of their remorsefulness, you know, Tom Hawkins doesn't have a great record. Like, he's been done quite a few times for striking. Yet, Toby Green, because he's a psychopath, and he just, like, will barefacedly apologize and say he feels terrible and it wasn't his attention, and then go out and do the exact same thing the very next week. It's just a... I mean, we've spoken before. I mean, I think of Toby Green as just being like a psychotic Cabbage Patch doll. He's like Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> he just, he's got this, he's Chucky. He's got this cherubic, cherubic face, and then you turn your back for one second, he's butcher knife in the back. Well... I think that that's it's part of the story of how he was raised. I mean, the thing that we got to what? remember about well, he was built. Well, because, in, he was built in a toy factory and possessed by the soul of a serial killer. Well, I believe his life story is one that is pretty unfortunate. Dad's a bit of a train wreck, and Mum had to raise him, and there was some a whole. You know, he, I feel like he's one of those guys who's had to have street smarts right. all his life. So I feel that idea of like the way that he plays football is probably just indicative of the way that he lives his life. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that Tom Hawkins in his regular life kind of, you know, clumsily lashes out and like, this is not a cappuccino and knocks it off the, (laughs) you know, the table or something. (laughs) I mean, even sitting amongst your, your hardcore Bulldogs contingent at that qualifying final, they were all as much as they were getting furious with Toby Green, everyone there acknowledged the fact that you would love him in your team. And it's because the Libba thing, you know, and, you know, we had that with Stephen Milne. Like every team every so often has a player that opposition hates, but you love. And, and I think it's also precisely because they get under the skin of the opposition. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think there's professional respect. I think he plays in a bulldogsy. I mean, look, He's on the edge and you shouldn't be eye gouging people or putting your, there's no need to put your hands in people's faces. But the idea of him playing on the edge, I think is something that a lot of people love to hate. Mm. You know, we love to be outraged about it. We love to go look at him, but we also can't stop watching, you know? We're like, ah, this isn't really the right way to play the game, but I'm glad that somebody is still kind of playing it this way. Well, it feels like the same people who decry the game getting soft and, you know, it's over-officiated and stuff are the same people who want Toby Green banned because he's a grub. And I'm like, well, you can't have it both People ways. like to complain about things, Charlie. I have noticed. That's the truth. It's a small industry and we have nothing to talk about, so we invent this shit to worry about. I bet if we went back through the podcast week after week, we would find so many things that apparently were important during the season that we've now just forgotten about even mattering. Do you follow, there's a guy on Twitter called The Trade Whisperer who has basically built quite a huge following. And it's all he does is at this time of the year, he's anonymous and he just puts forward, you know, he breaks stories about who's going where and blah, blah, blah. And look, I haven't followed him closely enough to know how accurate he is. But all I see is he posts something like, this player's going here, you know, they they were having lunch, blah, 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 blah. And then it's about 70 replies with people calling him a dickhead and a liar and he doesn't know anything. And I'm like, I don't understand why you would keep this account going. Like, I don't understand what the benefit is. There's no, as far as I'm, as I know, there's no financial reward with Twitter. Like he's just posting this stuff and just opening himself up to people complaining. I mean, it's, that is a, a high and mighty position for somebody who does an AFL podcast. To <laughs> but we don't get, we don't get attacked very often. I don't, I've never had any, well, that's and we're not, not inviting that, by the way. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, I think it says in our opening song that we don't know anything about football. In fact, when I have read like reviews of our podcast on uh, iTunes or whatever, the most common thing that comes up is these guys don't claim to be experts, and that's refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> we are not experts. I guess that is the difference, that most people set themselves up with some level of expertise, and we we lead with incompetence. Uh, you talk, you're talking about Kane Corns? That bloody twerp. <laughs> oh, I mean, Kane Corns is my trade whisperer. Like, Kane Corns is the guy who, every time I read anything that he writes or says, I'm like, oh, you bloody twerp. I find, you know what I find? I find something intoxicating about the fact of being a professional provocateur. Yeah. Because I feel like it would be a really easy job. Oh, yeah. Like, like Kane Corns has identified the fact that it, much like every competition needs a Toby Green, every like you know AFL media needs a provocateur, a professional provocateur, contrarian, and 
Yeah, so whatever the prevailing wisdom is, just pick the opposite and just argue it hard. I mean, the latest one that just made me go like, oh, God, was his like, who was it? It was Melbourne or Gold Coast, photos of them on Mad Monday. And he's like, look at them, having a good time, celebrating Mad Monday. Pathetic. They should be thinking about the terrible season they've had. And I'm like, really? Really, Kane? Should they? It sucks. They play for the Gold Coast. They can't even have one day, one day of the year where they can let their hair down and dress up like Fireman Sam or whatever it is. They can't because you know what was on fire? Their club and not in a good way. They should actually go to their club and set it on fire and watch it burn down as a metaphor for how their season was. And then they should have to rebuild the club like they themselves are going to have to rebuild the club. That's what the Gold Coast should be doing. They should be making an announcement to the competition that we've started training again before the finals have even been completed because that's we're not having Mad Mondays. We're having Mad Mondays because we're mad about the state of this club and we're mad about the reputation we have within the competition and we're mad that players keep leaving the Gold Coast. Well, you know what? We're not having a Mad Monday and we're not having an off-season because we're the Gold Coast Suns and next year we're going to burn as brightly as the sun does. It's so easy to be a contrarian. You just say bullshit in a positive well, and... Well, it's, it's crazy, Will. I've been, I follow quite a few of those Gold Coast players on Instagram and stuff and I've seen quite a few of them celebrating their birthdays. Happy about their birthday when they lost 11 games in a row. What are you celebrating? What are you getting so happy about? Another year that you've underachieved. You idiots. Another wasted year. It is easy, you're right. <laughs> See? You just take anything. Yeah. And it's absolutely easy to do. Oh, let's do it after the Brownlow. Whoever wins the Brownlow, let's do a 20-minute rant on why that Patrick Dangerfield wins a Brownlow. Well, easy to win a Brownlow when you're surrounded by a, a team of superstars. But what's he really done, Patty Dangerfield? Look at his record. Never won a flag. Never done anything good. Doesn't run in the opposite direction. You know what I want a Brownlow medal winner? Who actually plays down the back line occasionally and picks up a man. How about that, Patrick Dangerfield? Yeah, well, how about oh, the guys who pick up... as a player until you... How about the guys who pick up Patrick Dangerfield? Yeah. That's harder than being Patrick Dangerfield. Patrick Dangerfield didn't even, like, come alive until the last quarter. Sure, he won the game for Geelong. But, I mean, what about the guy who played on him? That's a four-quarter performance. Well, this is really easy. What about Matt... What about Matt DeBoer? I find that more exciting than Patty's style of Pat DeBoer. That's what I call him because he DeBoers me every weekend at the football by not picking up his man. What? It's easy. It's so easy okay, to so be what, what, what is a, univer universally, a universally accepted fact about the AFL that we can be contrarian on? Like who's a player that everyone loves? Like um, Eddie Betts. Eddie, Patrick Cripps. Eddie Be oh, Patrick, Patrick Cripps. Don't get me started on Patrick Cripps. I mean, how selfish can one player be? Sure, he picks up 35 possessions. Maybe share the ball around a bit more. Maybe develop the team around you, Patrick Cripps. I'm sick of hearing about Patrick Cripps. Yeah, no wonder that club isn't developing properly when Patrick Cripps is getting all the attention that should be doled out to the other players. And of course, Brendan Bolton was in his shadow. He was literally in his shadow. <laughs> Patrick Cripps is a midfielder and he's six foot nine. Bolton could never deal with that. He felt like a small man next to this big man. Stop being so tall, Patrick. I'd go one step further, Will, and I reckon you've got to look to Patrick Cripps's parents. How selfish were they giving him the DNA to make him the perfect footballer? I mean, insane. They made him too tall, too strong, and too skillful, therefore shutting out the other midfielders of the Carlton Football Club. I mean, there should be an inquiry into that. And in fact, he's the one taking all the glory when it's his parents who did all the hard work. It's not his DNA that made him. He had nothing to do with that. It was his parents' DNA. Why aren't they getting the credit when pretty boy Patty is taking it all? So oh, my easy. God. AFL.com, get in touch with us. Will and I have got a show for you. This should be the podcast next yeah. week, next year. The next year, it'll just be so much easier. The contrarians. Oh, I love it. Uh, what else? What else happened? Uh, punching in the arm. What do you feel about that? Umpires getting involved with arm punching. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind the umpire just saying, stop it. Stop yeah. it. I, here's, here's what I think. I think that once you go on the field at the start of the game, regardless of what your injury is, that you are, you've declared yourself fit to play. Yeah. So if you take an injury into the game, you're probably fair game. But there's a bit of me that's like, if you're injured severely during a game and you're brave enough to go back out on the field so that you're not a rotation down and you're doing it for your teammates and stuff, you just don't need somebody coming and punching you in that 
that injury. Well, this like is- you can still play hard. I'm not saying I'm not saying don't bump them into contests or don't tackle them to the ground if they've got the ball or anything like that. Absolutely, but don't go out of your way to aggravate their injury. Well, I don't is, like it. This is where I feel like there's that again. It's that kind of uh, uh, contradiction in AFL media is that the same people who are getting furious at the umpire for injecting himself in the game are the same people who are furious at the umpires for not doing anything about Ben Stratton. And Ben Stratton was like sort of lightly pinching someone, not banging an injured arm. But one is acceptable and one isn't. It's like, well, make your mind up, guys. Well, do we really want to live in a world, Charlie, where people can't be pinched? You know what? This is what kids today need. A little bit of hardening up, a little bit of pinching, a little bit of punching. Every first day of the month, I believe we should have pinch and punch round and we should actually go out there. We should get the Oz kickers and they should have to pinch and punch each other because that's actually what makes you a man. This bunch of snowflakes that are rolling around in the AFL. You can't take a little pinch. Well, in my day, we pinched each other before the game. That's how we warmed up. The coach would come around, pinch us each on the ball bag, and that's how you played (laughs) AFL football and learnt to be a man. Headline tomorrow, Will Anderson advocates grown man pinching children on testicles. I mean, I guess you could say it like that. But I'm a contrarian, Charlie. I can't be tamed. Um, uh, Jordi Dugowie got back from Germany. He's been over with Dr. Hilling Hans in Mm -hmm. his castle in Germany. And uh, he's flying at training. I've been running the idea on the radio that um, he's going to play this weekend, but that's only because I've made a bet with Tom Brown that he has to give me his AFL Media Award if he plays this weekend. But I reckon there's a real chance if Collingwood make the grand final, he, he plays in the grand final. Yeah, I mean, I, no. no. Would you risk him, though? Like, what happens if it pops in the first quarter? You're a player down. Well, I think they're so confident with the way he's training that they'd take that risk on grand final day. You'd take it for Dugowie. You wouldn't take it for any player, but you'd take it for Dugowie. you give it a Dugowie? <laughs> I say, hey, guys, give it a Dugowie. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just I just think that he's at three. This would be his third or his fourth for the year? Third or fourth hamstring? Those things never miraculously heal themselves in six weeks. Like he's yeah, but you don't send someone to Germany to a castle full of hot nurses with a creepy old man if you don't think there's what? a miracle. What was there? Is there hot nurses in a creepy castle? Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, so uh, you, you might not be across this no. as much as I've been investigating okay. this. But Doctor Healing Hans, yeah, Hans uh, hyphen name hyphen name uh, lives in a castle in Germany. He's seventy three years old, I think. And uh, there's twenty uh, hot nurses who all wear like white uniforms who work in this castle with him and it's surrounded by a moat and um, he he has a miraculous record with hamstrings. He's done like Michael Jordan and Usain Bolt and he's the Bayern Munich doctor and he like, he's, he's Miracle Max from the Princess Bride and like, you know, and he has this, you know, way about him that he can get people playing in, in, in ways that nobody else can. Oh, really? Is it through just like witchcraft? (laughs) I don't know. Well, yeah, it's witchcraft. It's mostly witchcraft. Um, no, well, his methods are top secret, but apparently legal. Like, you know, as in, the, the, you know, he's one of those, the Asada testers are there a fair bit. Well, not the Asada, but Wada or whatever. Um, because obviously he has such a great record that there's a lot of prying eyes on his methods, but he's never, uh, never been proven to have done anything that's outside the rules, and he has had no. he's treated all the world's best athletes. He's not swapping Gatorade samples at any point. Well, that's that's the only thing he does. He actually, Geordie got there and he just gave him a case of Gatorade, and he said, "Stay around for a week, hang out with the nurses." Now, Will, I just want to bring up a, a message that someone sent us uh, when we were at the uh, Spotless Stadium uh, a couple of weeks ago for the qualifying final. We complained yes. about the pre-recorded chanting that we heard coming mm. from the Giants cheer squad. Uh, well, Jagger has written into us and said the Giants cheer through the PA is actually the Giants version of Joffa in the cheer squad. He has a microphone connecting straight to the ground speakers. I know it's fucking weird. Do you think that's I what know, it was? I, it sounded identical say. every time I cheered. I do cheered. not believe. No. No, I do not believe that they're putting it through live. Even if there's a guy there who's doing that, they are... You're not giving Joffa a microphone in the crowd and piping it through the speakers and just trusting Joffa to not say anything that's going to get anybody in trouble. That is not a thing that is happening. I am so sorry, but even radio stations have delay and stuff. Like, there is no way you're just giving a rando in the crowd at a footy match 
like the opportunity with the microphone. So or, they are clearly editing the messages. Or what it could be is there probably is occasion where it is, it's like when Kiss play. Like sometimes Kiss will play the song live and then other times they're just playing over a backing track and lip syncing. So they, they you get both going on. So maybe every fifth one is the real Joffa, whatever, the Giants Joffa chanting and then, you know, three out of the four are the pre-recorded ones. It just sounded, it happened at exactly the same time Every, after every goal and it sounded the same it came from the same spot like everything about it seemed formulaic right I think they might have told him he was going live and then they've just piped in four messages because a lot of the other stuff he said was random conspiracy <laughs> theories uh, um, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about Dr. Hans okay Dr. Hans Wilhelm Müller Wolfhart um, is the German uh, Germany national football team doctor and current club doctor of Bayern Munich he was a club doctor for the club, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he resigned after the medical staff was blamed for a loss, blah, blah, blah. Um, many of the German doctor's treatments are controversial. Oh. Using injections of a substance called Hyalart, extracted from the crest of cockerels, oh. which is claimed to help lubricate knee injuries mm. and take away the pain. What's a cockerel? He's also injected... Is that a bird? Myo... Yeah, a, co- a bird. Okay. Um... He's also injected myomelcaine, which is the painkiller procaine, in a honey solution or acto-vegan into patients' muscles. Okay. He's treated Usain Bolt, uh, Ronaldo, Jurgen Klinsmann, Michael Owen. He helped cure Michael Owen's hamstring problems in time to play at the Euro 2000 tournament. Uh, Darren Goff, the English cricketer, uh, went there. Um, Bono? Bono? <laughs> in 2010, he treated Bono and Usain Bolt for severe back injuries. I mean, what was Bono playing in the World Cup? <laughs> um, yeah, Bono had to get right for the World Cup, for the opening ceremony of the World Cup. You two were performing. Um, so, you know, he's uh, he's got a pretty decent record. I just wanted to read you one last uh, message. just from Owen, another giant supporter. Hi guys, I love the podcast. I'm a Giants fan. Yes, we exist. And I got a chuckle out of your observations on the Giants Stadium last week. I regularly visit Giants Stadium with my family, including my Taiwan-born mother-in-law. She plays the perfect game of no-speaker English at the ground and often comes back to her seat with some sort of ill-gotten freebies. I'm not sure if she knows what she's entitled to and what she isn't, or if she's just so intent on getting free stuff that nothing gets in her way. She always shouts me a beer at the game, but one game this year, she came back to our seats with two full bottles of beer. I asked where she got them from, and she said she just went to the nearest bar she could find, and the bar staff gave them to her for free. It sounded too good to be true. After the game, we were walking down the stairs in the stand, and she pointed out the bar. That's where I got the free beers. There was a big sign in the doorway, Chairman's Lounge. <laughs> she said she just walked in, and nobody questioned her. I don't think she knew that she was probably wasn't invited to go to the chairman's lounge, but if nobody was going to stop her, she wasn't going to die wondering. So next time you visit the ground, have a crack at visiting the chairman's lounge. If you don't have any luck, see if you can get an escort from a confident middle-aged Asian woman and nothing will get in your way. Owen. (laughs) Well, I I, I, I was going into the members bar. Where I was getting my drinks from, there was the members bar and it didn't, there was security there, but they didn't seem too intent on checking anyone's wrist tags or anything like that no nah, they were like we're glad you're here yeah it's like you know what it's like it's like it's like a music festival in the early days yeah 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 everyone's just like isn't this great we've all got together to enjoy this thing together it hasn't got to the point where you know it sells out you know and they're doing two weekends of it and it's there's a vip area and all this sort of stuff it's still a bit like oh we're glad you're here oh you found the chairman's lounge you know yeah. what no one else wanted these beers anyway <laughs> hey, hey, but hey, boss, boss! I think the I think the club's picking up today. A middle aged Asian lady came in and took two beers. We're on a roll. I feel like we've got some momentum. She's now president of the club. <laughs> yeah, she's in, she's in the coterie. We have our second member of the coterie. It's Mel Doyle and a middle aged Asian lady. <laughs> I should also point out a number of people got in touch with me because I complained about the no hot jam donuts. And a number mm. of people pointed out that there are jammed hot jam donuts available at the coffee stand. And yes, I saw those jam donuts, but they are not the kind of, they're not the hot jam donuts I'm talking about. Yeah. The hot jam donuts you get the footy are the small 
tennis ball sized ones and you get a bag of like six for, I don't know, five bucks or whatever. I don't want your big fancy cafe style donuts that they have to heat up properly. I want a vat of fat that you stick a tennis ball in, a tennis ball of dough that it's got like a sauce bottle filled with jam that you squeeze into it. And that's what I want my donut to be. Then you roll it in a pile of sugar that's been there for about six weeks. That's what I want to eat when I'm at the footy. Well, also I would say is I, I went and got a coffee on the day mm. and your coffee stand is optimistic at the football at the best of times because you've just got to have somebody very quick at making coffees to make that worthwhile. Otherwise, you're just standing in a long line for a fair while and nobody was ordering donuts because the 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 overwhelmed nature of the people A, in line and B, serving the coffees meant that you didn't want to throw anything extra <laughs> the other than the coffee into the mix. Yeah. You, you got the impression because I was like, oh, maybe I'll get Charlie some of those donuts. And then I was like, no, 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 no. If I ask for these donuts, this little old man is actually going to have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> All right. Should we give our tips for this week? Sure. Why not? Uh, who's playing first? Is it Geelong and uh, Richmond? I think they're first up, aren't they? Friday night? Let's say yes. They are. Okay. Friday night, Geelong and Richmond. MCG. No, no Tom Hawkins. Geelong, uh, Richmond coming off a break. Uh, can't really see Richmond losing. I mean, it seems predetermined that Richmond win the whole thing, doesn't it? Is there a possibility, Will, of Richmondy occurring two years in a row? Happened last well, year. Well, here's what I will say. Last year, we all just go, oh, well, they won the premiership the year before and anyone can have a bad game. That doesn't, that's not Richmondy. No. But if they went into a subsequent season as premiership favourites and then fell in the prelim, then I start to think that guess who's back? Back, <laughs> back again. again. Richmondy's Richmond's back. Tell <laughs> your friends. Uh, yeah, I think it would be what would be more Richmond. I mean, there is some kind of something poetic about two prelims in a row bombing out. But I think what would be even more Richmondy would be for them to face GWS in the grand final and to choke on the big stage. That to me, like <laughs> I feel like we've done the prelim Richmondy. Let's do the grand final Richmondy against this against a, a, a expansion club, a team with only like five thousand supporters that has a pre-recorded the head of the cheer squad's a pre-recorded dude played through a speaker. That's what I want to see them go down to. And also, I want to hear that giant song. You know, around the MCG, it is such a catchy tune. I have been humming it in my head endlessly since that game. I think that's actually what's got me on board with GWS. <laughs> yeah, the song. Because realistically, I should hate them. They yeah. beat us. Toby Green mashed up Marcus Bontempelli's face. I should be hating them. But you know what, Charlie? There's just a big, big sound from the <laughs> west end of town. It's the sound of the mighty giants. <laughs> It's a bit like Knight Rider. It's a pretty shit show, but that theme song is fucking yeah, cool. That theme song. <laughs> and we will never surrender. surrender. Come on. It's just great. It's really good. I mean, especially when you compare it against like, all right, uh, pop quiz. Uh, what's the Port Adelaide song? Uh, exactly. Yeah, Port Adelaide. <laughs> never, never tear us apart. No. <laughs> um, like Port Adelaide uh, have been in the comp for twenty something years, and you can't like you can't, I, I, uh, the pa- it. I where the pep. What is we've got, got the power to win, the power to lose. We are very flaky week to week. <laughs> we have the power to win when we're meant to lose, and then we lose when we're meant to win. Port Adelaide. I mean, I would take Giants every any day of the week over Port Adelaide's song. Port Adelaide have had 30 years to get their song sorted out, 20 years to get their song sorted out, and they haven't done it, been able to do it. Um, I think we've probably done this before, but I'm just going to actually Google the lyrics to the uh, GWS club song because I've, right. I've been singing them in my head, but I don't know actually if I've got them well, right. Well, let let's see if uh, I can guess them. So there's a big, right. big sound from the west end of town. It's a sound of the mic. Now, oh. can I just pull you up here because there's something here that I did not – Realize, uh-huh. um, one of my favorite uh, hoodoo gurus songs starts with the line, and another thing I've been wondering lately. Yeah, and I've always loved that as an opening line because you know you're coming in halfway through a conversation, starting with an end. Yeah, well, uh, the GWS Giants song also has that sort of oh, start really? because it doesn't start, there's a big, big sound, it starts. Well, there's a big, big ah, sound. Well, there's a big, yeah. big sound from the west end. No, from yep. west end of town. Oh, west of the town. West from of the west the of the town. It's the sound of the mighty giants. 
I don't know. Yep. I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> what comes after that? You feel the ground is shaking. The other teams are quaking, quaking. in their boots before mm-hmm. the Giants. We take the longest strides and the highest leap. We're stronger than, than the, the rest. rest. We're the greater Western Sydney Giants. We're, We're the, the biggest and the best. And we will never... Surrender, we'll fight until the end. We're greater than the rest. It's a great song. It's the, and that too, and the never surrender bit. That is their uh, yellow and black. It's such a. It really gets the heart pumping, doesn't it? And we will never, never surrender. surrender. <laughs> yeah. oh. That's really yeah. good. Uh, okay, so Richmond uh, to win on Friday night. Uh, I have been uh, picking Geelong for the flag. Uh, for the entire season. So I am going to say in, in Richmondy, uh, my Richmondy is that uh, they lose the prelim to Geelong, uh, Geelong without Tom Hawkins, Gary Ablett stars. Uh, and that is my lock of the week. Well, that's interesting because I picked Collingwood to win the flag. So holy shit. By the end of the year, maybe one of us will have got it right. Maybe this stupid podcast will have actually got something right about football. Um, okay. So, yeah, GWS is Collingwood. Well, I pick Collingwood to win the flag, so that's my lock of the week. But it also contradicts the backs against the wall theory because Collingwood have to be installed, especially if Toby Green doesn't get off. In fact, Toby Green should not get off if GWS want to win this game because their backs will be so far from the wall then that they have to lose. So I don't know. Look, if Toby Green doesn't play... Dan Collingwood will lose. If Toby Green does play, then Collingwood will win. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, I am going to say, because I've picked Geelong, I think the most likely grand final is Richmond Collingwood. Yeah. I probably I do. But because I've picked Geelong, I have no particular interest in Geelong Collingwood. That doesn't excite me. Geelong, GWS. <laughs> that excites me. Does it really? As a final. So I am going to say GWS. Awesome. Uh, it's going to be... Yeah, Geelong win, GWS win. It's a Geelong G. It goes from being a Richmond Collingwood grand final that would have shut down Victoria to a GWS, uh, you know, Cats grand final where I can definitely get my dad some tickets. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Can you get your dad <laughs> some tickets? Um, all right. Well, if you want to check out other podcasts that we do, you can go to tofop.com. You can check out Tofop, our other podcast, which is like this one, just with no football talk. You've got Willosophy. Um, we have Fofop, which is kind of like this podcast, but without football and without me and a guest comedian. Uh, what else? You can go to our YouTube channel. Um, there's actually some football-related Lots content of stuff. up there. Lots of stuff on the YouTube channel at the moment. Yeah, we've been updating that a lot. And you can go to our Facebook page, which is Two Guys, One Cup on Facebook, if you want to join in the chat with other football fans. Uh, But that's it. So play on, not 15. Ball. We are Two Guys, One Cup.